WRKS Pickens Jackson. Are you ready? Now live from the Whiskey 61 Lounge inside the Bank Plus Studio. You are listening to Mississippi's number one sports talk show, The Out of Bounds Show with Bo Bounds. Streaming worldwide live on the Out of Bounds Radio app and on your radio at ESPN 105.9. The Soul. Out of Bounds, ESPN 105.9 The Zone, live in the Bank Plus studio. Streaming worldwide on the Out of Bounds radio app, and we are headed to the Farm Bureau Insurance guest line as we reach out to NFL Draft Analysts live on location. Bo Bounds. Hey, I'm updating my LinkedIn again yeah. today. Yeah, analyst, so, NFL Draft Analyst. I could, between being an SEC basketball correspondent in March... And now an NFL draft analyst in uh, April. There's no telling what I'll be by the time football kicks off Labor Day weekend. Uh, you know, I mean, you'll be a LinkedIn warrior, is what you'll be. <laughs> well, I, I don't know what my password is, but uh, when I do figure it out, I will uh, I will upgrade myself to an NFL draft correspondent. How about that? There you go. That's a win to me. <laughs> what a night, man. First of all, uh, Emmanuel Forbes, uh, we had just talked to all the people we talked to, and Daniel Jeremiah had him at 16 going to the Washington Commanders. And then Palazzolo, as you know, yesterday comes in pretty strong uh, and definitively and says he's going in the first round. How about that, Blake Scott? Yeah, and he was right at uh, 16, like you said, to the Washington Commanders. You wonder if maybe Fred Smoot was trying to influence that pick. I don't know. But but uh, nonetheless, I mean, what a what an awesome moment for Emmanuel Forbes to get that opportunity. And how, like like you said, how cool it was that he went ahead of some corners that maybe were on draft boards ahead of him, so to speak. But uh, But he got the pick from Washington. Yeah. He did, and he got a lot of money, Blake. You know, we were talking about <laughs> wiring money to accounts and and all of that throughout the week, and, and Fred Smoot and Todd Wade and uh, Jason Campbell have shared their NFL draft stories, which are all, you know, amazing. And uh, that guy became – you probably already looked it up, and, and I need to – but that that guy became a multi multi millionaire um, from Grenada, Mississippi, and that is just freaking awesome. Yeah, he uh, uh, really, his really cool. his slot value was fifteen and a half million. That whatever they end up signing for, <laughs> it, it may not be exactly that, but that was his slot value. Fifteen and a half million. So he was the number two player in the state of Mississippi, McKinley Jackson. Was was number one. Um, Forbes was number two out of Grenada, uh, right down the road from from Mississippi State on eighty two, and of course MSU had to fight their tail off for him. Um, so it went McKinley Jackson, Blake, Emmanuel Forbes, JJ Pegues, uh, Jaquavian Brown, and Tulu Griffin, top five players that year. And Emmanuel has punched his ticket. There could be some other ones, 
obviously, um, as seniors or redshirt juniors and so on, punch theirs. But over $15 million. Did you see the video he put out? Yeah, I, there was so much content. We hit a couple a couple of pieces of audio earlier uh, in the in the first hour, but but yeah, it was uh, it was awesome to see him be with his family, you know, and get that opportunity to to go that high. I don't think even even we talked about it. I don't think neither of us had. I know the late pick to Washington was was kind of talked about, but but man, I didn't think he was going to go that high. But that's awesome. Yeah, it is. It is. All right, Dak and the Cowboys. Blake, what did you make of uh, Mozzie Smith from Michigan, defensive tackle, um, going to the Cowboys? Did we talk? How many people did we talk to, and how many people did we talk about with Dallas's pick? And did we ever mention <laughs> taking a defensive tackle out of Michigan? I don't remember talking about it. Uh, no. You know no. the way everything played out when Buffalo traded up and took Dalton Kincaid. At 25, and you had still multiple tight ends on the board. You had seen people make some weird picks. Four receivers had gone off the board right kind of in front of you, so you weren't taking a receiver. I think they took the best available, and if he turns into a two-contract guy, I think it could be a great pick, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I I think it's a... I think it's a pretty good to good pick, and like you said, if he's if he turns into a multi-year starter, and uh, yeah, I, I think it could be good. I mean, look, defensive tackle is a premium position. So, what concerns me is what the Philadelphia Eagles did. You know, one of your rivals in the division. Obviously, you're. We just mentioned another rival grabbing Emmanuel Forbes, who's an amazing playmaking cornerback. But what did you think about the Philadelphia Eagles taking Jalen Carter at uh, at nine, who had uh, some pretty serious baggage? But the you know the Eagles and Howie Roseman do their due diligence and decide uh, he is worth the pick because of his talent. And then also grabbing Nolan Smith again out of Georgia, uh, outside linebacker for the Philadelphia Eagles. Play. You know it's interesting. The Jalen Carter pick at nine was a great pick. Um, they made the right decision. I think, again, he's a he's a guy who, if what happened after the season didn't happen, he's probably a top three guy. You know, sure, he's going second, third, you know, somewhere in there, depending on how the QB teams you know shake out. So, it value there was fantastic. Nolan Smith at num- at, at thirty is an interesting pick because if Dallas didn't have four pass rushers on the edge already. He's a guy I would have loved to have seen Dallas take, but that's a case of if you take him, I don't know what you do with him because of what you already have on the field. Well, you're getting old, though, and I mean, I, not Micah, but there's some other guys that have some wear and tear on them. I, I could, I can make a strong argument that you take him and figure it out. But, yeah, um, I, I think so too. I think the fact that you gave up like a, a top or I mean a bottom five league worst in rush defense last year, and that's what Mozzie Smith does specifically is why they went the route they did. Um, and and I agree. Look, Nolan Smith's a guy who, if he pans out, could be a... Uh, we always love to do comparisons like this. He could be similar to the role that Micah Parsons plays for the for the Cowboys in terms of the way he edge rushes and things like that. So, yeah. so there are... There is an upside there, but there's also a downside of will he, will he pan out that way. I think 
either way, when you get them at 30 the way the Eagles did, yeah. it's a win. Yeah, for the Eagles, it's a win. Yeah, I mean, they, they, I think they, they and the Cardinals had two of, two of the best drafts, I think, uh, of the first round last night. Oh, goodness. I know we've only got a minute here, but uh, what in the world were the Houston Texans doing? And what do you think the guys that we flew out to Las Vegas with last year that sat in front of you and took shots the whole time from the Houston, from taking off in Houston to landing in Las Vegas, do you think, one, they're hungover today? Do you probably think that they thought that was an amazing move just because a lot of these fans think whatever their team does, it's amazing in the first round? And what did you make of Houston going crazy to move up to get Will Anderson, who Jr., who I think's a good prospect, but not transcendent and, you know, just that big of a difference maker? Yeah. Well, no, I'm with you. I think I think you can sell me on the CJ Stroud pick, you know, quarterback, take a flyer, all that kind of thing. So I can I can fall for that one. I can't fall for what they gave up, and that's why I think Arizona is one of the winners of the draft because of all the capital they were able to acquire just by yeah. moving out of third. They still got the number one offensive tackle on the board. They move out of third. Houston overpays to get Will Anderson, and you better hope he is you know, the next great defensive edge rusher uh, to, for the price you paid for him. Um, that and then Detroit moving up to get Jameer Gibbs. In the first round, I mean, holy cow. (laughs) I don't even know what to do with that. Bo Bounds on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. We'll be back with more from draft analyst, draft expert, Bo Bounds on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. This is the Out of Bounds Show, ESPN 105.9 The Zone, live in the Bank Plus studio. More draft reaction coming up on the other side. I have to tell you about this game-changing product I use before a night out with drinks. It's called Z-Biotics. Let's face it, after a night out with drinks, I don't bounce back the next day like I used to, and I have to make a choice. I can either have a great night or a great next day, and that is until I found Z-Biotics. Every time I have a Z-Biotics before drinks, I notice a difference the next day. Even after a night out, I can confidently plan on hosting this show and being awesome without worry. Look, I won't lie. I was a bit on the fence about Z-Biotics initially, but then while hanging out with friends over cocktails, I gave it a shot. And believe me, it is the real deal. Go to zbiotics.com slash OOB to get 15% off your first order when you use OOB at checkout. Remember to head to zbiotics.com slash OOB and use the code OOB at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode and our good times. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
Out of Bounds NFL Draft Recap. Live in the Bank Plus studio, streaming worldwide on the Out of Bounds radio app. That's what you should be doing. Sitting in your office, getting your NFL Draft Recap here. You can worry about making phone calls and sales sheets later. This is where it's at. This is how you impress your friends at the water cooler. You listen to uh, the Out of Bounds Show NFL Draft Recap. And we're going to the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line as we welcome in Draft Guru and draft analyst Bo Bounds live on the Out of Bounds show. Uh, Mr. Bo Bounds, we were talking in the break about the crazy kind of QB fallout and the fact that Will Levis, who two weeks ago turned into the favorite to go second overall, ends up not being drafted in the first round. Yeah, uh, it's, it's just a crazy world that uh, that we live in when it comes to the draft. When Anthony Richardson goes early and Will Levis doesn't go, and you don't think either one of them can probably start and play at any kind of high level consistently in the NFL, like. Yeah, I I was shocked by the C.J. Stroud pick just because of what we knew behind the fact. But then when the Colts came up, I, I kind of – I really thought they would go Will Levis, but the more I thought about it and the more I watched, and, and this is what I just told you off the air, I think that the NFL, and specifically maybe the Colts in this position, looked at it and they said, both of them have a low floor potential, so which one's got the most – high ceiling potential, so to speak. And they said, if Anthony Richardson turns into a freak, then that's the guy. And Will Levis doesn't have as high a potential. So the Colts said, we'll take, we'll take Anthony Richardson. That's, that's, I guess, the only logic I can come up with. Uh, who sold the show? Uh, Gia Duddy, the hit, Will Levis's girlfriend, or, or somebody else in the, in the first round. Well, he had what, what did, Will Levis's whole entourage. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody from Barstool called him the Hugh Hefner of the draft. My God. <laughs> Gia Duddy, girlfriend of former Kentucky quarterback Will Levis, breaks the internet and Instagram last night um, with her outfit and she's drop-dead gorgeous, and now she's become a social media sensation, Blake Mania. Uh, oh, I mean, it pays, to, today. It pays to, to be great, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what to do with that. Speaking of things hey, I don't know what to do with, oh, well, go ahead. Okay. Well, I just love one of our listeners is like, the Texans won the draft, and, and this is what happens. Pe- people think, oh, they got two Alabama players, and, you know, Bryce Young may or may not be a good quarterback in the NFL. I think there's a, you know, big question mark there. And then um, uh, Will Anderson, the, the Will Anderson thing, Blake, I mean, what in the world? I still can't believe that they gave up the, those kind of assets for a guy that looks to be like a good NFL prospect, but not a great NFL prospect. Am I missing yeah, something? So, so I, I'm with you. So I get taking CJ Stroud second overall after Bryce goes to the Panthers. So I understand, right. I understand taking CJ Stroud second overall. I also would have understood given what we knew about the CJ Stroud representation stuff and 
maybe the Texans thinking, hey, we're going to be bad no matter what. So we'll get a better QB. We like the QB class next year. So we'll still be drafting high. We'll wait and get a QB next year. I could have understand if they had either traded out of two or even taken Will Anderson if they believe that highly. They take Will Anderson second overall. Okay, fine. I can I you can sell me on why you did that. What you can't sell me on is taking CJ Stroud second and then trading back up and giving up so much <laughs> to get Will like Will Anderson second overall by itself isn't as bad a pick, but when you say, "Oh, I traded so many draft picks uh to move back up to third and take Will Anderson," you go, "Well, now he has to be a Hall of Famer." Because otherwise yeah. you didn't get otherwise you got fleeced and and how about the whole frank reich loves big quarterbacks i don't know how many times we heard that a hundred million and a hundred million times and yet the carolina panthers take a guy who's maybe 510 and may weigh 200 pounds at the as the number one quarterback and how in the world i mean anthony richardson at number four for the indianapolis colts i this is, I mean, reach is an understatement. Um, and this whole thing, well, his ceiling, I, I'm just not buying that. I, I'm just not buying that. But just because he's uh, amazing at, at, at a cone drill or a vertical leap or whatever means that he's got this tremendous upside, I don't, I don't buy that, Blake. I don't, I don't think that's real. It's, it's not the underwear Olympics. I can't remember what Bartu said a couple of days ago. But, uh, and maybe it was, it's, it's not the up underwear Olympics, it's winning games on Sunday. Nothing he did proved that he can win an NFL game on Sunday. Yeah, no, you're right about that, that last part. As, as great a physical specimen as he might be, I agree with you that he, he did not show a propensity to lead his team to victory in, in college. And we know, whether it's fair or not, that statistically, Quarterbacks with that few starts who go in the first round tend not to fare as well in the NFL as quarterbacks with more starts who go in the first round. So uh, you take that with uh, take that with what you will. I think it's interesting too. You mentioned about Bryce Young. Bryce Young is a size anomaly. He went first overall. Emmanuel Forbes is a size anomaly, and he went 16th overall. I think mm-hmm. sometimes you have to get out of your own way as a GM and say who makes plays on the field. Right. Right. All right. Uh, Blake, let's. Mel Kuyper's got biggest winners. And this hurts me because you and I are fighting this battle of the Cowboys doing some solid to good things, no doubt, but uh, a ways away from, you know, getting to the NFC championship game for, for the last 25 plus years. And his. First round one winner is the Philadelphia Eagles with their defensive tackle pick, Jalen Carter, and Nolan Smith at outside linebacker at number 30. And Kuyper says, wow, the rich get richer. Philadelphia moved up a spot, trading Chicago a 2024 fourth-round pick to get the number one overall prospect on my board. The Eagles are going to reunite Carter with former Georgia teammate Jordan Davis the two formed an outstanding interior du- duo in 2021. And then Kuiper goes on to say, uh, I love this pick and the fact that he was the number one prospect on the board. Yeah, I hate the Eagles, and I already said that on air earlier this morning. So I can't, I can't 
I don't know what to do with that other than like Howie Roseman is amazing at his job, and I hope he gets in a scandal or gets a better job somewhere else. I, he's got to get out of Philadelphia. That's all I know. I how, Let me ask you this. Because the Eagles were able to get Nolan Smith at 30, how are you the Saints and you don't take Nolan Smith at 29? Well, I, I saw some of that last night, but then I also saw what you were, you were going back and forth with the listener on the Ag Up Equipment text line. Uh, I think it's a great question, considering uh, what all he can do um, from the edge. Uh, edge rushers led the way um, last night, as you know, Blake. And I don't think that surprises any of us. And it's, I know defensive tackle is a premium position, but an edge, rusher, an edge rusher even more so a lot of times, right? And so seven of them went last night. Yep. So you have to ask yourself by passing on him – you know, it's not like three of them went, like, right? What have you got going into the second round if you're the Saints or other teams yep. that are looking for an edge rush? Yep. It's why the Cowboys could pass on tight end and still probably find one in the second round because yeah, of how many are, are still there. It's the same thing. If you're if you're the Saints, you can't pass on hey, Nolan Smith. I know we got to go, but the Cowboys stay in the same place. They're so conservative. Uh, you know, they're so kind of sluggo in the draft, and boom, the Bills leapfrog. Remember when the Eagles leapfrogged them several years ago and picked the tight end? Yep. No, I, I'm with you. I understand. I understand. You're 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 a uh, you're a Cowboys hater. It's it's a love hate relationship. Out of bounds. ESPN 105.9 The Zone. Coming up next, Jason Campbell talks about his NFL draft experience in the SEC Insider Hit. The Out of Bounds Show is powered by the award-winning golf courses at Dancing Rabbit Golf Club in Philadelphia, Mississippi. Great place to watch the NFL draft this weekend is the Golden Moon Casino Sportsbook and Lounge. Full bar, served food, and award-winning Dancing Rabbit Golf Club with the Azaleas and the Oaks. DancingRabbitGolf.com. Great place to watch the NFL draft starting tomorrow night, first round of the draft, all the way through Saturday, the way they break it up now. Blake and I were there last year. We were in Las Vegas for the draft, had an absolute blast. It's wilder than you think. Like you see it on TV and you get that people are having a good time. It's got kind of a Mardi Gras feel. And, and the fans' fandom is nuts, and people are wearing jerseys and all this kind of crazy stuff. Well, Blake and I were lucky to go to Vegas last year for the draft, and it was way, way wilder and bigger than even you see on, on TV. So now it'll be in Kansas City this year. You're listening Out of Bounds, ESPN 105.9 The Zone. I'm your host, Bo Bounds. We want to welcome in Jason Campbell from Taylorsville, Mississippi, to Auburn, to the NFL, and now uh, Auburn football radio color analyst. And Jason Campbell joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance guest line. Jason, good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning, Bo. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, can't complain. Well, thank you for joining us. Where are you right now? Actually, I'm in Atlanta right now. Um, okay. Just uh, this is where our home base is. Uh, my wife and I, um, parents still live in Mississippi and Hattiesburg. My sister's still there. But my brother and I, we're here. 
and uh, and everything. So I'm kind of back and forth between here and Auburn uh, doing work. It's a lot of reason why I'm here, <laughs> just to make travel a little bit easier on ourselves. That's great. When did you? All right. So Stan White was a former Auburn QB. I think I've got this right. You correct me if I'm wrong. Stan White was the color analyst, and now you're taking over for him. Is that right, Jason? Correct, correct. Yeah, Stan was the uh, color analyst for the last 22 seasons. Um, we kind of joke around sometimes and say it's kind of like a quarterback's job uh, because before him, there was a quarterback, and then Pat Sullivan did it for a few years as well. He was a quarterback at Auburn. So it's kind of like passing under the torch. Um, I started working with the Auburn radio probably 2000. It's been about six years now mm-hmm. and I was doing a pregame for three hours and I would do the half halftime analysis uh, on the radio as well breaking down the first half and telling them what, what we should be looking for in the second half now you know they come to me towards the end of last season ask me would I step into that position uh, to be the next color analyst uh, beside Andy Burcham uh, for calling the games on Saturday so I'm excited I'm looking forward to it uh, like I said it's a great opportunity it's a great platform and um and just you know enjoy it enjoy it every day man that is so cool congratulations i know uh i know you're excited about that and there's only so many of those in the sec 14 of them and so you've got one of them at auburn that's that's great um i i gotta ask you you uh you i think you just mentioned your brother larry who uh-huh. played at mississippi state and Great. did it come down to we had a listener did it come down to Mississippi State and Auburn, or was there another team when you were coming out of Taylorsville, Jason? Well, it was tough. Yeah, it was tough for me. I remember coming out, you know, being from Mississippi, and like I said, my family's there. It was a tough decision. I know Eli was at Ole Miss at the time, so I wasn't going to go there uh, just because simple fact that didn't make sense you know, to, to high-profile quarterbacks. And then Mississippi State, my brother was there, and I had been going to their games you know, ever since I was you know, pretty much a freshman in high school. And I remember, you know, 1998 when they went to the SEC championship game, they played against Tennessee, and uh, we was there, and they had the heartbreaking loss. But I remember building a relationship with Coach Sherrill when I was young. And But the thing was, I kind of wanted to write my own my own way. And sure. I remember, you know, like, and I love – I enjoyed Mississippi State. I enjoyed going to the games and everything, but – a part of me just wanted to just kind of like venture out a little bit and, and write my own way and, and, and everything. And my sister in Southern Miss, you know, of course it was close to home as well, but I always wanted to play in the SEC. Once I thought going to those games on Saturday and being around that environment and seeing the intensity and seeing the, the, the high level of football and, you know, it just brings chills to your arms and uh, on a Saturday in the SEC. So I knew I wanted to stay in the SEC. So, so for me, it came down you know, right there at the end between Auburn and LSU and uh, in Georgia and everything, because I told Jackie Coach Cheryl uh, right before that, you know, probably about two months before making my decision, the reason I was going to go ahead and move on and then and narrow it down so I can go ahead and make the, the final decision for me. Okay. Well, I think it worked out. Uh, y'all were undefeated in 2004. You had a heck of a career. And uh, you and Tuberville and Cadillac and Ronnie and that defense – um, had it rolling. He is Jason Campbell, a phenomenal player at Taylorsville, Auburn, and in the NFL. Now with the Auburn Radio Network, color analyst, uh, taking Stan White's place. And he joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance guest line. Are you uh, are you close to 
Ronnie Brown and Cadillac? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, I'm definitely close. You no, know, Ronnie's kids, my guy kids and uh Cadillac, we still in a great relationship and we talk pretty much every week. We're all on a group test together. Uh it's about twenty of us that play together at Auburn and we all on there, we talk about each other's families, we encourage each other and what we're doing. And uh, like I said, Lack being down there on campus as a social head coach, uh, running backs coach, I see him a lot as well. Then me and Ronnie, we live 20 minutes apart here in Atlanta. Okay. So, you know, we we definitely, in college Rogers, our other draft pick that year, we had four first-round draft picks in 04. He lives about 15 minutes from us as well. So, you know, we all play golf sometimes together and, and still uh, try to be around the university and help and support. Uh, as much as we can, but um, but yeah, we definitely have a close family tight unit that that played together at Auburn. Our relationships so are still just as deep twenty years later. That's awesome. When when Cadillac Williams took over as the head coach, were you texting him on which place to call? <laughs> oh man, he was. Uh, he like you know he said, like, Jason, uh, I might need you to come down as offense coordinator. <laughs> You know, when all that was going down, because everybody was on the team was getting was getting fired. Um, so, but when he stepped in, he did such a phenomenal job. He did. Uh, you know, I couldn't be more proud of him. All the players that played with him at Auburn from 2000 2004 came back to that first game they had at home at Texas A&M because his first head coaching job was on the road at Mississippi State. And my wife and I, we went to that game. And then the next week was the home game. And at home, it was a sold-out crowd of 86,000 people for two, three, and six teams. And it wasn't because – and it it was only because the fact that one of their own that played was a legend at Auburn, trying to put the Auburn spirit back into the football program, trying to get the support back where it needs to be and get us back to playing the way we know how to play Auburn football. And I think he lit a fire back into our fan base and he lit a fire back into our into our program to get things going back in the right direction. And if, if you was there at that home game, you would have saw so many former players in that locker room before the game and after the game congratulating him on his first victory as a head coach at Auburn. And uh, and that was a big, big deal for us as well because he was the first minority head coach, even in the interim role, to win a game at Auburn University. And it happened to be one of the guys that I played with for four years at Auburn. That's so awesome. I have to tell you this. I, it was so much fun watching him and the way he handled everything, Jason. And has he always been that powerful of a public speaker, motivational speaker? I think that has grown throughout the years because Lex always played with his played with his heart on his sleeve. You know, when he played ball, when he played running back, he ran so hard and you know, he was always that tenacious running back, but he's become more of a vocal leader, I think, throughout the years since he's been involved in coaching. And now he's doing speaking events. He's going, you know, all over the country doing speaking engagements and different things. I think people got a chance to see him in a different light uh, during that situation um, when Coach Harson was let go. And and the one thing about one thing about him is, man, he's a team player. He's a team coach, mm-hmm. and he cares about all his players. He cares about the guys around him. He's not a me guy, anything like that. He hasn't ever been, and, and that showed, and it showed to the Auburn family. And I told him, I said, man, the, the hardest thing about this, I said, which is the good thing about this is, 
I said, harshing getting a job, but then being released and you have an opportunity to step in in a critical moment because they raise your coaching level. Sure. And then they, they raise your everything that you're about is now got put out forefront. So I said, so, you know, sometimes things, hardship come, but then the gift is right behind it. And I think for him, that's exactly what happened. He's so captivating when he's talking. You know, I, you feel right. here's what, because I had never really, I mean, look, I watched y'all play uh, in college and in the NFL, even when y'all went your, your separate ways, but I'd never really heard Cadillac Williams, you know, speak. And so when he took, I was at that game in start, but like you, I went to Mississippi state and, and I was there and, and y'all almost came back and it was a wild game as you remember, yeah, Jason. And, and then that next week, you're right. A and M two two win teams or whatever it was. But I listened to him every week, the rest of the season, because he was great during the week and pregame postgame, because he's so captivating. Um, and just passionate about, you know, War Eagle and Auburn Nation. It was – I know you had to be impressed as a close friend of his. Oh, yeah, I was definitely – I was impressed. Like I said, his wife and my wife were really, really close friends. And, you know, they, they talk, and she wanted her beside her the entire time because it was a stressful time as, as well. Because sure. let's be – any time that you were a former athlete or especially a great athlete, you know, people just think things are automatically just going to happen, you know. So they thought once he got the job that we would just blow it out the water. And, you know, that's the expectations of, of, of fans because they don't know sometimes. And uh, the thing is, like, he did such a phenomenal job as getting these guys to play and to serve each other. Um, yeah, and, and that's what it's all about. You know, sometimes I think that gets lost in the NIL space. It gets lost in the – in the transfer portal where guys were as close as we were, we came through because we was there four years together. So we went through all our times together where now, you know, sometimes a kid hit a wall, first thing they do is look to the portal mm-hmm. or sometimes you know, they're looking at NIL and looking at what this guy's making over here and what, and they're comparing and they miss the joy of the game and the joy of where they're at because they're comparing all the time. So they're never settled. They're never happy. They're never committed. And that's what he was trying to get back to this team is, guys, you got to focus where your feet is planted. You got to stop looking at all this other stuff, but be where your feet are and, and start to serve each other and work with each other and, and start to build each other up. And then that's when victories start to happen. And that's when I think those guys end up finishing the season out strong from a mental standpoint. They carried over to recruiting to where we're at right now. So, you know, one thing I was concerned about with him was was he's gonna last throughout four quarters of the game because the guy <laughs> he burned so much energy he before did. the game and then on the sideline he's out running everybody up and down the sideline and then he works people don't know this he works out before the game and then he sends us a text message of him walking for thirty minutes hiking on a treadmill before the game so this is before he even gets to the stadium I was like I don't know where all this energy comes from. <laughs> So I said, we're going to need to get you some IVs at halftime. Oh, man. Jason Campbell joining us on the Out of Bounds Show. SEC Player of the Year and MVP of the SEC Championship game. Uh, He joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line talking about his good friend Cadillac Williams, who did an amazing job for Auburn and smartly was retained by uh, by Coach Freeze, and he's now the associate head coach. Uh, So, Let's switch gears to the draft. This is going to be a special weekend for so many young men. 
and you were a first round pick for the Washington now commanders and the Redskins then now the commanders and where were you Jason on draft day yeah that was a uh it was a real week I tell you uh being able to be a part of that you know where you work so hard as a kid and then you grow up and now you see that your dream actually becoming a reality um you know was and it's so close and I just remember that week Ronnie went to the he went on up to to the draft you know everyone else we kind of stayed back with our families and everything and and I just remember I was in Auburn where I was staying at and my parents came up all my closest friends from high school from Taylorsville and Mississippi came up and my coaches from Auburn that was there, Coach Borges and a couple of other guys and all my receivers that played at Auburn was all at the house that I was staying at the time. And I remember, you know, the draft day, I remember running getting drafted. And then soon after that got drafted, then Carlos got drafted. And they all, you know, I called them, congratulated every last one of them. And then they was like, hey, you're next, you're soon. And then I remember when I got the call and then they called me and to congratulate me as well. But I just remember that day I was sitting there and it can be a little intense because you never really settle until everything is just done. You know, someone could say, Hey, we're going to trap you here, but you don't really know until it actually happens. And I'm going to tell you why. So that year, coach uh, Gibbs, they came down, they met with me twice and everything. And I remember they said, Hey, you fit our system for what he did back in the eighties with the skins and, you know, the deep balls he used to throw and everything. And, and that's what he wanted to get back to. So I remember him coming and we were interviewing really great and, you know, and things were coming. He's like, Hey, if you're there at 25, we're taking you. And I knew there was a team there at 21 that had been calling as well. And I was just like, all right, Jay, don't anticipate anything. Just kind of just, you know, just let it settle. So around by 21, I left, house and kind of like went to a different room and left everybody I kind of snuck out so while everybody else was there I was on the phone with them and then once I hung up I just kind of waited and then once my pick got to the 25th immediately my phone rang and he's like hey we got our guy you know you're our guy it was coach Gibbs and they were excited and we was excited and I remember hearing everybody in the other room just yelling and screaming and going crazy and they were looking for me. Nobody knew where I was, so I snuck out. Then <laughs> <laughs> I immediately went back into the room, and everyone was hugging me and congratulating me. And immediately, my mom and dad, you know, my dad coached in Mississippi for over 30 some years in high school ball. And I remember just hugging him and, and having an emotional time. My mom and Coach Borges was there. And then everyone kind of shows a photo that I have at the house with me sitting on the back porch at the time talking on the phone and my mom and dad standing beside me. My mom got her hands all over her face crying. My dad smiling and coach Borges, you know, his hand on my shoulder, uh, smiling as well. And that's just a day that I won't forget because it reminded me of all the people that have helped me along the way was there. And, and to be able to, to share that moment with them and not just me by myself, but be able to share it with the people that's been there for me meant so much. But then also to enjoy that day because the next day, it was all business. Right. You know, you're on the fly. You're, you're getting ready for rookie mini camps and all that stuff. So, you know, it's a quick second that you get to enjoy. But I was also at a draft party last year with a kid and his family. And the kid got called like four or five times saying they were going to take him. And when those picks came, they did not take that kid. 
And I had to sit there with his family and stuff. And I called the kid in the room. And I tried to talk to him to encourage him and say, look, no matter where you're drafted at, even if you're undrafted, it doesn't define your worth. I was just like, just always remember, this is a business. It's not about your talent. It's, it's about what they need at the time. And it's a business. And uh, try to lift his spirits because I've seen the other side of it as well. With the pressure putting on this kid and things didn't happen the way that they thought it was going to happen. All right, talk about that. You walked into Washington as the, as the first-round pick at quarterback. How, you obviously, you've got a really good family support system and so on. But, you know, how was that transition, that pressure? Because, I mean, that's a big, big football market. And your mm-hmm. QB won. What was that like? Right. Yeah, thing for me was I went to Washington and they had Mark Brunel there. And Mark was really well in bringing me in and, kind of showing me the ropes and teaching me, you know, how to be a pro, uh, how to adjust to, to different things in life, how to adjust to, you know, being able to make finances for yourself, but then how to adjust to being a QB in a, in a big season like D.C. And uh, so that was really good for me to have a veteran that was already had been in the league for over 10 years uh, for me to kind of learn and tutorish after uh, and, and everything. And the thing – and the biggest thing is you're going to, at that time, was the toughest division in football. You know, at that time, Giants were good. Eagles were good. Cowboys were good. And Washington was pretty good. So, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't like it is now where it's kind of like lopsided, but it's kind of getting back to being a really great division. But it was it was solid those years. And uh, and it was a lot to try to have to live up to because you're, you're going to a fan base that's just so destined to want to get back to the Super Bowl. You know, it had been what – at that time, maybe 15, 16 years right. or something, they've been to a Super Bowl. So everything was always about Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, to, to the point that our owner and everything, he felt like you could pretty much just kind of, you know, I can just plug people in here and there, you know, instead of like letting guys develop and letting the team develop and drafting young guys together so they can develop. So that was different because I was a, though I was a very young player on a very veteran football team. I mm-hmm. got there's a lot of guys eight, nine years, and I was like one of the young bucks. So it was hard because you really wasn't grooming with someone around your age. Everyone was way older than you were. Hi, Jason Campbell. This has been great. Uh, I, I have to ask you, I think there was some crossover with you and Smoot. We have Smoot on all the time. I think he came back from the Vikings, and you were the starter yeah. by then. Um what was it like? Because we know how much he likes to talk. What was it like oh. to have Fred Smoot in the locker room? Oh man, a talk of town. Uh, <laughs> Fred Smoot. Uh, I, I tell you what, this guy never, never, ever lets you have a dull moment. I remember my very first game I started in Tampa, and we get to Tampa. You know, you're a little nervous. You know, it's my first game starting in the pros, and we go out for a walkthrough pregame you know how you just kind of go out on the field you're walking through so next thing i know there's some draws on this stick and i'm like why is he holding draws on the stick and it's smooth and i come in and he's following me and holding my holding draws up behind me in the locker room talking about hey guys here's our fearless leader and he got some whitey tighties everybody he's <laughs> <laughs> so, like you like got the whitest patties. We gonna take a donation to buy this man some real draws. Oh, he <laughs> so, pulled around the locker room, and uh, I was just like really smooth, really like. I, I guess he was trying to like calm me or whatever, but 
it was a funny moment, but Smooth always was the reality of our football team. And when you got on the bus, Bo, you better be dressed clean because he would always stand beside the bus and say, who has a casket suit on? And I was like, what? I was like, what what are you doing? (laughs) So that was his thing, saying about it, taking notes, and then he would give out an award at the end of the year which was really for an ugly man award, you know, a look-alike award, and a casket suit award. That was just like, and it was hilarious. The man had his own comedy show, so he he definitely made the football team a lot of fun. And uh, he, he's still talking to this day, so he never stops. No, he's doing Washington, D.C. sports, and you are right. You just You just nailed it. Hey, Jason Campbell, congratulations on everything. Uh, thanks so much for hanging out with us um, today and excited for uh, for you and Cadillac in the group and uh, going forward with Auburn football. We appreciate it, buddy. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Jason Campbell, Taylorsville, Mississippi, to Auburn to the NFL. Now, Auburn football radio color analyst. He'll take Stan White's place after 22 years in the booth. Thanks for listening to the show today. Tomorrow is uh, first round of the NFL draft and Mississippi State at Tennessee in baseball. If you missed anything, go to Apple Podcasts. Search Out of Bounds with Bow Bounds. Lunch today brought to you by Burgers, Blues, and Barbecue in Madison and Brandon. B3, baby. See you tomorrow.